0: Thanks for pressing play. On this episode, let's have a very different dialogue about sex. You see, it seems like we might be living at a time where the very category of sex is changing. And there's a few mega trends going on. First, we're in what the Atlantic calls a sexual recession. Quote, in the space of a generation, sex has gone from something most high school students have experienced to something most haven't end quote. It used to be that 54% of teens were having sex. Now that number is 40%. It also turns out that people in their early 20s are two and a half times as likely to be abstinent as Generation Xers were at the same age. Two and a half times more abstinence. 15% of young people have reported having no sex since they reached adulthood. Now, um, this sexual recession is not just going on with young people. Gen Xers and baby boomers are also having less traditional sex from 62 times a year down to 54 times a year. The Institute for the Family asks in a headline, quote, Is the sex recession turning into a great sex depression? And by the way, if you go to Lockhead.com, check out the show notes, there'll be click-throughs to all the data I cite on this episode. Further, the family studies folks show that almost 30% of single survey respondents reported having no sex for the past year. One out of four single women have not had a sex partner for two or more years and one in ten women has not had had sex with a partner for more than five years. In addition to the takedown in um, sex with other people, the HBR tells us that the rates of loneliness in the U.S. have doubled over the last fifty years, and forty uh, percent of Americans report being lonely. This data is pre-C nineteen. Further, the HBR reports that loneliness has the same effect on a person's life expectancy as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, the third thing I want to uh, touch on as we uh, as we get to our dialogue is the breakthrough in digital sex. Pornhub.com claims that now they have 120 million people who visit the site daily. Newsweek reports that the porn category is now worth nearly $100 billion and, get this, uses more bandwidth than Facebook, Amazon, or Netflix. 91% of men and 60% of women report that they have consumed porn in the last month, according to Taylor and Francis. And uh, we have some further wacky things going on. In 2018, a man in Japan spent 2 million yen on his wedding, To an AI hologram and in uh, Toronto where I used to live actually not that far from where I used to live apparently you can visit a new category called the uh, called a sex doll brothel that's right a place where dudes go to have sex with dolls. As the category name would tell you. Also, there's this website called onlyfans.com that uh, allows quote unquote creators to share content for money with fans. And I guess I've never been on this site. Uh, <laughs> I guess primarily it's adult content. They say that their usage spiked 71% after COVID hit. And today there's over a million quote unquote creators on the site and over 85 million registered users. And they've paid out more than 2 billion U.S. dollars in fees or whatever to the creators. In addition, it uh, all indications would appear that uh, AR and VR sex is on the rise. And so these new modalities of quote unquote reality uh, are changing sex. And apparently, I discovered in the research for this episode, you can now get quote unquote everything you need for about 200 bucks. So there there's no question that a couple things are emerging here. We're living at a time where sex is on the decline. We're living at a time where more people are choosing to have sex with themselves and technology while they're choosing not to be in relationships and not to have sex with other people. And so no matter how you want to slice it, the category of sex is changing. So around here, we thought it would be smart to invite our guests. Amy Baldwin and April Lambert host one of the most popular sex podcasts on the Internet. It's called the Shameless Sex Podcast, and they are here for what is a fascinating, no-holds-barred dialogue about sex. And I must warn you, Amy and April are not holding back, <laughs> so be prepared. This is a very frank, descriptive, dare I say deep conversation. And we go into all of these things I mentioned and more. And so get yourself ready for one of the most different conversations you've ever had about sex. Pay special attention to their ideas about how we need to rethink things like what is premature ejaculation? Why open communication matters so much? Why sex toy sales are up 400% since COVID and why Running a sex toy business with your mom is kind of cool. This is Christopher Lockhead, Folly your Different, and we are an award-winning, chart-topping, real dialogue podcast for people with a different mind. And now, hey-ho, let's go.
1: How long exactly. have you lived in Santa Cruz?
0: About a decade. Oh, we
1: had to have been, I mean, we've we've probably seen each other, but just not, like, been in the same communities or groups or things like that, too. I mean, I'm born and raised here, and she's lived here off and on for... Aren't you, like,
2: fourth generation okay. Santa Cruz?
1: I'm fifth generation Santa fifth Cruz. Fifth
2: generation Santa Cruz. There's Santa a street being back for her mean? family in town, yeah. actually. They were surveyors. The, I know all about the Baldwin The history. Baldwins <laughs> used to do big things. Now they sell dildos.
1: Now they sell dildos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Your mother and you sell dildos together.
1: We do. I know. I mean, she was uh, formerly known as Merowitz, but she's a Baldwin now. And uh, yeah, now we're just online, though. We got really lucky. We sold the retail store right right before before COVID. So we got that would have just been a big headache. So yeah. And that's where she got her start in the industry, too. She worked uh, at Pure Pleasure as well. And uh, April and I were already BFFs before I studied law,
2: though, mind you. I was environmental
1: science with an emphasis on
2: law was like what I have a bachelor's of science in, and my mom's like really you're gonna go sell sex
1: toys I'm like yep is this one of those moments where like stop talking we're gonna talk about this oh in the yeah podcast? sorry yeah
0: we just keep talking we just keep talking that's okay
1: <laughs> are we recording already yeah <laughs> yes, oh my god we are <laughs> I didn't realize this oh shit I didn't see that <laughs> sorry everyone <laughs>
0: it's okay there's no one listening it's just uh, the three of us and maybe okay. my mom
1: okay oh, hey mom oh, what's hi, up mom. <laughs> You like dildos, girl? What's
0: up? You know, my mom and I can talk about a lot of things, but I think like a lot of sons, the last thing I want to talk about with my mom is this.
1: (laughs) That is a common one. Mm -hmm. Although,
0: I mean, you must talk about sex with your mom all the time.
1: Well... Yes and I I mean that was part of the job right when we were selling dildos side by side and now the store is just online
2: we've had both of our moms on and our show too the mom episode the mom episode yeah.
1: talking about sex and our moms are very different from oh, each other so yeah different. yeah they're my mom and Granted, I so my mom, yes, she did talk to me about sexuality, about birth control specifically. And so safer sex when I was younger, so under 18, but not about pleasure. We, we didn't talk about orgasms or pleasure or the clitoris or any of that stuff. Uh, and I learned about that later on from trial and error uh, and maybe some textbooks and uh, getting a mirror and looking down. Can I say pussy on here? I just said it. Is that okay?
0: You could Something. say it. You could say
3: What's anything. <laughs> uh,
1: beep, beep. And that's the word that I prefer to use for my genitals. Um, it doesn't have to be your word, everyone. Everyone can choose the word that they like. Uh, so it wasn't until I was 18 and already going into the field of sexuality that we started to have these conversations that really opened up the doors for that. Uh, April, what about your mom? My, well, I grew up in
2: a super conservative Midwestern family, and sex was just never a topic uh, that we covered at all. We mm. never spoke about sex. It was the nasty three-letter word. <gasps> and until I, had to get, until I had sex for the first time and I needed, I needed my mom to take me to get birth control. And then she Awkward. still never said anything about pleasure or about what sex even was. I had to figure it out on my own.
0: Mm-hmm. I, 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 you guys would know way better than I do. But my, my sense is most people learn about sex not from their parents. Oh, yeah. You were very correct. I, I feel like am. it's
2: changing though. Well, you cuz you can't learn in school and uh, at least in the US most schools don't have a great education platform for talking about sex. There's anatomy and health and and talking about abstinence, but where you learn about it from either porn which isn't the best educational platform or you learn about it from probably your friends or from your experience. So I think it's shifting slowly, at least in this day and age, we've had parents on the podcast talking about experts in how to talk to their kids about sex. I think so. it might
1: be more progressive communities too, right? You know, it, we live in California here. We live in Santa Cruz. And so that that's, I think, more common here. And you might go other places where it still is. I mean, there still is abstinence-only education in a lot of other places and states, right? So um, I think it really depends on where you're growing up. And, um, we're, we're kind of born into this. We're born into a a community and and a lifestyle that might be really open or might be really limiting to the information that we can access. Luckily we have the internet now, but like April said, there's porn and we are not anti-porn. We are anti-porn as a sex educator, unless it's educational Pornography it's or entertainment. Edu- it's yeah. it's great entertainment. It's great entertainment. It gets you turned on. can you, there's also a such thing as going a little too big on the porn. The the just in watching a lot of porn, you really can get kind of hooked on it. It can shape your ideas about what, what sex can look like. Hence why we have jobs. I really think that the reason why we have a job um is well, one is shame. It's it's many hundreds of years in religion and all these things, but also pornography. We're undoing a lot of the messages, um, or maybe reframing or re educating A lot of what people saw in porn and and are trying, and it's not working for them. And we're actually teaching them, "Hey, here's how it really works." And by the way, there's not one way to do it because you're unique. You're a unique sexual being. Just because this works for one person, it might not work for you.
0: And so, why do you think, as a society, we have outsourced sex education to porn?
3: Hmm.
2: Accessibility. It was something. At least with the internet, of course, accessibility. It was. It's almost a free. Uh, now a free resource for people and before that there were vhs tapes and then dvds that you could rent and people it was the accessibility it was there weren't a lot of other avenues for people to to get their their freak on visually Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
0: you're forgetting the granddaddy of all porn uh the green mag
2: Oh, oh the, mag the mag. In print, print. Yes, you're right. I love the porno So mag.
0: I'm old enough to remember these things.
1: <laughs> hey, they're still around. They're still around. I've you can still buy a porno mag. mag. Yeah, you yeah, can still buy... you can still buy Hustler. Yeah, you can still, yeah. still buy Pornomax. I mean, my dad... Uh, I actually just went to his house the other day. And I've seen this before, but in this closet is this stack of Playboys from the 80s. And when I was younger, I'd look at them, and it was like, so
2: fascinating. But is that porn, though? Playboy? I feel like it's more... It's mm. more artfully... How, do you, how would you define
1: it? Does it's it need it's naked
2: bodies. I feel like porn is more graphic, in my opinion, where you have the... I've seen some
1: graphic Playboy stuff. Have you? Maybe it's not like a penis in a vagina. I think the cartoon
2: imagery in Playboy a lot of times, but the centerfold spreads typically are just they're not they're more tasteful, I'll use air quotes, than if you picked up Larry Flint's Hustler or there's other ones that are Penthouse, I think is another one. Mm. But I've looked at lots of those. Of course, Not not to masturbate, but just for
1: just to see what people are doing. Yeah. I just read
0: the I just read the articles.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just heard the editorial. (laughs) Uh, Don't worry, mom. I was just there to learn things.
0: There's some incredible uh, journalism in there.
1: Yeah. They're well and entertaining, of course. Again, coming back to the topic of entertainment uh, and, you know, I. I think that people are just curious. They, we're really curious about sexuality, about how bodies work. We don't, a lot of people don't even know how their own bodies work. Well, your body looks different from my body. Well, your body's really sexy. I don't even know why I'm turned on by you. And so, of course, imagery, erotic imagery is highly captivating. Uh, and then when you add to that the, the fact that it's a moving in, in picture in motion, so actual pornography that you're watching on a screen now, um, it's actually showing you how a sex act is done and then it take that's what people are taking a sex education whereas you look at a magazine you know that great editorial right in the, there actually i've looked at some some porn mags and there was some great stuff written on how to do sex in there there's also some terrible stuff written on how to do sex there uh, i personally and i think april would agree despise generalizations, right? All pussies like this, all cocks like this. If you want to get a man, do this. If you want to get a woman off, do that. Um, drives me absolutely nuts because I, I really don't think that there is one thing other than maybe respecting people unless some people don't like that, right? Some people are like humiliate me and disrespect me because that's still consensual. But one thing that really applies to every single body it's just not how it works.
2: Also, I like to bring up the fact that a lot of people, when there were only available, like porn, porn was only available in print form. Uh, I know that. I don't want to call them out, but someone in my family used to masturbate to the lingerie section, the JC catalog. <laughs> uh, also the Victoria's Secret catalog. So take what you can get. You take what you can get. And some, and some
0: of us only had the Sears catalog.
1: Yeah. Also. <laughs> or there's the stories about the people who didn't have cable and they just had the the like the snow on their sc- their TV screen, but you could see a nipple all of a sudden, you're like, oh, there's a boob. Oh, there I, I, I saw half a
0: boob, but let me yeah. jack off to that.
1: Yeah. yeah, really quick and hard. And now that's another reason why we we have a job. We're helping people with early ejaculation because they masturbated really quick and hard for too long. It's
2: not premature. <laughs> it's just ejaculatory control.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so that's what we're calling it now. We, yes. It's not premature ejaculation. It's jack. What did you call it?
2: Ejaculatory control. Yeah. So ejaculatory. learning how to... Yeah. Yes. How to... Well, it, depending... It's, it's not necessarily a thing that's shameful. Ejaculation, if it is premature, sounds... Kind of like it's it's a bad thing. It's, it's happening too soon. But ejaculatory control, I'm I'm uh, working on my ejaculatory control. Sounds, I think, uh, a lot nicer for folks.
1: Less Pre- shamey. Premature also. Uh, you, you would assume with the term premature that there is a set amount of time before it's to be premature and not premature and who the fuck gets to decide what that is right so does premature mean it's two minutes three minutes four minutes five minutes or or 30 seconds you know what is the hard fast rule here hard fast and who's determining and what's who's premature who's determining and I think that I don't have the statistics but if you look at the statistics for the average amount of time spent in penetration we're talking about penis and vagina penetration by the way with you know thrust in grinding movement and then ejaculation. It's definitely under 10 minutes. It might be closer to three to five minutes, just so you all know. And yet uh, people who are three to five minute people still feel like they have premature ejaculation issues. Um, so I, I think- just read the stat today. It's seven to 10 minutes for penis owners that on average, the amount of length it
2: takes to orgasm and oh, for moving on up. For, for vulva owners or women, uh, it's 10 to 20 minutes for them to orgasm.
1: Hence why you have a lot of vulva owners who are like, uh, need a little more,
0: yeah. please. Yeah, you have to
2: prime up that pussy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we entertain ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs>
0: you know, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm a pretty open guy. I, sex is a great topic for me. But I, I have to tell you, ladies, I, I love your podcast. And holy shit, you're so blunt and right to it. Like, just right on it. And, you know, I'm the furthest thing from a prude, but it is... Not uncommon for me to be listening to your podcast and have one of you say something, and I just go,
1: wow, <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> she went there. Yeah. She did it. Oh, oh, yeah, we go there. Yeah, we do. Well, one thing we say on the podcast, too, is we haven't always been this way. We are very well practiced in speaking openly about sexuality, whether it's on a podcast, whether it's just to our each other, or our friends, to our lovers and partners. But take Amy or April in our early 20s and teens. We did not. Speak this boldly and bravely about sexuality. It was terrifying. I didn't say pussy the way I say it now. Now, as I, I was just, talking I about under, an actual cat, yeah, and be like, look at that cute little pussy cat over there, yeah. and yeah, it's very different now. And so I, I get, and and here's the, the other piece there. I I believe we all can speak really openly and boldly about sexuality. Should we? Just like with anything, if we practice enough and we want to, not everyone needs to speak the way we do. It's
2: normalizing the conversation around sex, and I think someone, Emily Morse was specifically saying this, treating another podcaster in sexuality. She was saying she wants to normalize sex so we can talk about it like it's the weather. And I think we do the same thing. I've been selling sex toys now. And I think it's going on, I don't know, feels like forever 20 years, but 12 years. And I have talked to people, consumers that are really uncomfortable. And they felt so much better about the conversation because it wasn't super crass. But Feeling like it was normal as though they were shopping for cosmetics at Sephora or at the perfume uh, counter at Macy's or something, which is my goal.
0: Yeah, you two seem to be very matter of fact about stuff the way you say it on your podcast, as explicit and detail oriented as it can be.
1: Mm-hmm. We almost forget, you know, sometimes we'll be out to eat somewhere and we'll talk about it in the same way we would in the podcast. We forget that other people are, that we are so matter of fact and open. And then and there's like some table with children behind us, like, oh, I forgot. That or I can't I've say been
2: it. at the airport and we were out of anal beads at the company I used to work with. <laughs> and we, we there were top selling item, And I was on the phone with the logistics people, like how w- how much longer until we get those anal beads in? And I'm in Iowa at an airport and <laughs> I literally had this whole group of women look at me like, and I was like, Oh God, I this, totally didn't even think about this commodity is a little bit more taboo and anal beads probably aren't talked about a lot in, in, uh, Des Moines this, on a regular Monday. This is like
1: most interesting things you've ever heard in an airport before is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. And, and the part about being matter of a fact too, is, uh, I guess I'll bring this to relationships and sex. Here's another thing. People, okay. Couples are just people having sex with each other. They 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 beat around the bush. Oh, I see, I did it again. Um, they, <laughs> or sugarcoat things. And I didn't really do it with that one, but maybe we could some sugar on some. On I, I hate to interrupt
0: <laughs> you, but I I had my Pandora running before. I like uh-huh. to listen to music before I do a podcast. And um, just before we started, Def Leppard pour some sugar.
2: <laughs> oh, oh there it is. Perfect. There it so is. So that's our. And next I thing. thought
0: yeah. this is perfect. I don't know why this is a song you hear in. Pretty much every strip club in the world, but I thought you might appreciate it.
1: Oh my god, that's just spot on right now. We're getting, we're listening to that after, and oh, we can do that for our music I'm video hot, thing. I'm hot, sticky, sweet, oh. from my head to my feet. Which head is he talking about? Mm, mm. You, I see where you went. <laughs> uh, okay, anyways, um, what I was saying. So, uh, the the matter of fact thing, we can do do this in relationship with sex, with, with someone we're having sex with, or not even with sex, just intimacy. And a lot of people don't do that. They are, again, not trained in it. They're scared of speaking for what they really think, what they feel, what they want, whether it's just about your partnership and, hey, you said X and I, got, I felt sad and, uh, or I'm upset or hurt, or, hey, in the bedroom, I would really like a little more of this or a little less of that. Matter of fact, right? pretty confronting for a lot of people because they don't want to feel wrong or bad. We always want to feel right. And I'll get away from always. But I can say for myself, it's confronting when someone, anyone in my life, whether it's sex or not, points out something that they might be dissatisfied with or want more of from me. And this is a part of relationship, right? We're not always going to... We're not psychic. We are not the other person or people. We're not always going to show up and meet them where they're at. And so we need to have these conversations. And uh, I think that again, here's a skill is to, to speak, um, maybe not bluntly because sometimes blunt can be a little, um, I don't know, abrasive. Harsh. Yeah. Like, and you we can speak lovingly and still be very direct and talk about sexuality in this way. And that what ends up happening is we often get more pleasure and connection when we finally learn to do that.
2: Well, what about releasing the expectation that your partner is going to be the one that will induce your pleasure? That is something a piece that everyone expects, right? Oh, well, my partner uh, is the person that's responsible for helping me orgasm. Yeah, they have to do everything. You're actually responsible for your own pleasure. You're responsible for. I thought you were showing off your shirt for a minute. Awesome, oh, oh. sugar. Yeah. So I. That's <laughs> that- I don't know. You
0: just started taking off my clothes, and sorry, I couldn't hear anything anybody was saying anymore. <laughs>
1: Was she taking off your clothes? Oh, yeah, I took wait. off his clothes. I have that ability through the screen.
3: <laughs>
2: so this is just a piece that I want to touch on because you're right. No one's a psychic, no matter well, there are some psychics perhaps out there, and who knows how they are in the bedroom would like to try that out. What would that and be like? That would be interesting. What do
0: you what do you you know? What Calling I'm do all next? psychics out there. Hey, uh, new category of sex retreat. We could do like you could do an Eslin retreat with ooh. a psychic and do psychic sex things at in Big Sur.
1: That sounds
0: hot. I want to go. People would pay a shit ton of that. I, be, so I bet money. you could sell that for a million dollars a weekend in Silicon Valley.
1: <laughs> they would love that. Like, just give me all the life hacks. Tell
2: me what to do. Yeah. Well, I'll call in all psychics. Uh, we might do a call to action right now for a CTA. Yeah. Here you go. I so New, the,
0: new shameless sex product right new, here.
2: New shameless sex product. I'm uh, we're recruiting psychic. psychics. But I think that the point that I was trying to get at, and Playing off of what Amy was talking about, especially in partnership, we are responsible for our own pleasure. And that's something that I think if people take that into their sexual experiences, instead of being reliant on either their partner or someone they're hooking up with, or whatever that looks like, knowing that you can communicate what you desire or what you're you're trying to tap into or what you know is proven to help you orgasm. And it's important to know that it might not happen every time and sex is just a journey. Pleasure is a journey, it's not about the destination. The ultimate goal doesn't have to be an orgasm.
0: So one of the things I wanted to talk to both of you about is if you take it up a level to relationships, it appears to me, and I'm no therapist and I didn't do any of this in school, but it appears to me a lot of people talk about relationships and therefore sex like it's sort of third party to them, you know, that it sort of just happens as opposed to, if you will, relationship design. So, for example, when my wife and I started to get serious when we were dating, when it was clear we were getting serious and we were thinking about maybe moving in together and so forth and so on, we sat down and we, over a period of weeks, had some pretty in-depth conversations around designing our relationship. Both of us had been in relationships before, both of us had been married before. As we talked about, you know, what worked for us, what didn't work for us in the past, and more importantly, if we could design the most legendary relationship for us, what would that look like? And we got proactive about that, and so, Starting with the relationship level and then looking at all of the dimensions of a relationship with sex being an incredibly important one, why is it hard for people to sort of proactively design their relationship and proactively design their sex life as opposed to just sort of letting it happen and all this bullshit about the other should just know and we, we shouldn't have to tell each other and it should just all be perfect like some stupid fucking movie
2: <laughs> Well the movies just I good. I think it's so much easier for a lot of folks out there to decide what they don't want or to mm. talk about what they don't want I don't like this I don't like this it's really hard to get clear on your actual desires and what you're wanting how the architect- designing an architectural beautiful relationship taking the foundation, creating that is, it's difficult. And it isn't difficult when you can really hone in and drop in and and, and talk about the simple things that you want. Uh, it doesn't have to be so complex. It can be something as simple as, I want my partner to like pizza, or I want my partner to... Want to have sex 5 days a week. Yeah. Or I want my partner to be able to travel. Or so yeah, f- mm-hmm. 5 days a week would be nice or 5 times a day as well. So in, in my opinion... And I know from my experience throughout the course of my life, I was always talking about what I didn't want. And I noticed that when I, when I speak to folks, they are really great about, uh, I don't want this. I don't want to fight. I don't want mm. to uh, feel isolated in my relationship. I'm like, so what do, you, what do you want then? Can you change those? Can you shift those things? And that's something really simple. Mm. And probably not as psychologically penetrative.
1: Ooh, Ooh another one did it for again. You, as you as you want.
2: Uh, that's just one one of my opinions on that topic.
1: We're like sixteen year old frat boys. We really we? are. <laughs> we really are. Sorry. With sex. No, of sex I right?
0: actually think you're a sixteen year old frat boy's dream come true. Yeah.
1: Hey <laughs> yeah, boys, but we don't do it at sixteen. We are you know, mm, eighteen thirty so, and eighteen well, yeah, eighteen. <laughs> so, um depends what we're talking about doing. Um but I will add just, to that just keep
0: just keep saying I swear, officer, he told me he was 21. I
1: swear. He said he was 21. I
2: had to swear. ID this guy I hooked up with when I was in Chile because he was like, <laughs> I'm 19. I was like, Are you really? This was in 2016. So I was, I don't know, in my mid 30s. You ID'd someone that you had sex I with? ID'd, I, like I did after, though, because I was like, Are after you really the sex. 19? After. How and would that have helped actually, you? <laughs> and he just April, heard after
0: the fact, don't you not want to know? Yeah. Don't you just want to oh, pretend I mean, I
2: walk no. away? Because I, I think in Chile they could be much younger anyway, so I wasn't breaking any laws if he would have been seventeen. I just wanted to share that because it was unintentional. He had a mustache that was very deceiving. <laughs> I thought he was at least twenty-one.
1: Oh no! <laughs> Let's bring this back to like that she had pubic hair. So oh my god, yeah, yeah mustache. <laughs> I know, no, no, pretty thick. I, I'm not judging, I just think you're hilarious. Uh, <laughs> I want to bring it back to the question that. You asked an ad to what April was saying. <laughs> not, um, this, not, the, not about the Chilean. Not it. about the Chilean or the mustache or people care, but uh, about um, the idea of spontaneity and that a lot, especially with sex, a lot of people think that sex, everything should just, ha- just happen. We shouldn't have to talk about it. We shouldn't fight about it. We shouldn't have arguments. It should just happen. And, you know, with a lot of especially long term couples, married folks, people who have kids, you add that to the mix sometimes you have to plan for intimacy and I'm not just talking about sex. I'm talking about quality time without some screens on and connecting and, and getting to know each other. What they also get, stop getting curious about each other. It's like, I know you have been around you for 10 years. So let's just, and then, things just get stagnant. So, um, I think that people are taught and this is conditioning. It's just what's hot is spontaneity. It's just supposed to magically happen. We're supposed to know everything. We shouldn't have to have these conversations when in fact that's bullshit. That's really the, really the the magic. And, and these conversations can feel really good. Like you can have deep connection from talking about things. And I love what you talked about this relationship plan or map or what do we want this to actually look like and also another thing i'm I'm sorry when did you say you it was in the beginning of your relationship or yeah
0: once we sort of knew we were getting serious and we weren't seeing other people and you know there's a there's that point in in a relationship that it turns yeah right and so once that started to get clear we thought well let's talk about this and we've talked about it ever since
1: and what I would add, I love, so that, that, what That's you said, great. we talk about it ever since and what happens in relationships is sometimes a wrench gets thrown in it. So maybe someone has an affair, maybe someone's parent dies and they're grieving and they lose their sex drive for mm-hmm. eight months. And, um, or maybe someone gets in a tragic accident and, you know, loses a limb or I mean, this maybe kind you of have extreme. children and you, you have don't children. have the
2: space you originally did for each
1: other. And so it's a huge life change. And so I would suggest re- you can rewrite that contract over and over again. Where are we now? And, and I like, I mean, you said that you, it's a constant conversation that you're still, you're still in. And a lot of people don't even do that. It's like a one-time thing.
0: We exchange We for out. sure talk about it once a month.
1: Yeah. Great. How's and it that's, going? Yeah. Do you
0: need anything? Anything yeah. I'm, you know, and it, it's at the big level and at the little level. Like for example, she has, um, she has a long-term neck injury and so she gets chronic headaches. And so when she gets a headache, she likes to give me, uh, she likes me to give her a, a neck and head massage. And so I do. And um, if if the headache or the pain is in a very specific spot, she'll take my index finger or my thumb or whatever it is, and she'll put me exactly where she wants me. Mm -hmm. And she'll tell me exactly what she wants. And I fucking do that because I want to do everything I can to alleviate her pain, right? And so we can be incredibly prescriptive with each other in our relationships about what we want and need, about all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so why not about sex?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and unfortunately, there are some partners who... for whatever reason, have a really hard time taking that feedback, right? Someone says, Hey, I'd like a little more of this. And they instantly go, get defensive. They go into the I'm not enoughness and they don't show up the way you're talking about you showing up for your partner, for your wife. And that happens a lot. It can be really, really frustrating. I love that you're doing that. But sometimes partners are like, well, you know, or it just doesn't stick. They have a hard time hearing what their partner's saying and that request.
2: There's also... The, there's a piece from that that keeps coming up and ringing true with a lot of long-term relationships that esther Perel talks about in uh, a, a lot of her uh uh her book is uh what is it it's
1: Mating in captivity. Mating
2: in captivity, but then she has this other show where she's interviewing people too. It's a it's a oh, podcast. Um, where where, where, shall, where, shall, we where begin? shall we begin? Yeah, and and both of those things. What is the paradigm with a lot of these long term relationships? Is the fact that once people get married and when they're together for a long time, there's like this sense of ownership. So what happens is you almost become this this. Piece of property in some folks' eyes, so you don't try because you just always know that this person will be there. When in fact, humans are ever shifting and changing, and uh, are biologically, we're always in motion. So that is what is important to take into consideration throughout any relationship. Especially when you enter into marriage, when you enter into long-term partnership, if you're just agreeing to be uh, with, you know, just a partner, you have to take into consideration that you don't own that person and treat. It's hard to treat them like you did when you first met every day. Do your best to honor them, though, on a monthly basis and daily if you can. Yeah, and <laughs> just keep that in to your brain and and check out that book, Mating in Captivity, mm. because she's brilliant and she is absolutely so helpful in the information
1: that she's oh, conveying. She's incredible. She's incredible. Yeah, she's she's a pioneer. She does a lot of work around she's, she's, uh, monogamy. She's non- got a couple monom- of
0: TED talks, doesn't TED Talk. she?
1: Yeah, I mean, she's just she's really helped people just take the shame away from um, I mean, she does a lot on cheating and affairs, but really just about desire in general. Why do I have desire? I love my partner. I think they're sexy. I don't want to have sex with them. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me? Or I love my partner. And I I look at this other person and I'm attracted to them too. what do I do? And she normalizes a lot of these things. She's not saying go and fuck the other person that you have attraction to. If you want to do that, you know, go ahead. But she's normalizing the fact that we are not these like white picket fence monogamous forever people, most of us are not, that we've been, the picture has been painted, fall in love with and you're 18, make the babies and you're going to be happy forever. It's going to be forever. forever. You're forever a forever person. Ever. Maybe some people. Not
2: that sounds so scary to me. If anybody said, that's why I don't have a tattoo. I, forever sounds like wish you should get long. a
0: tattoo that says, says forever. forever. <laughs> maybe you should get a tattoo that says not
2: forever. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> I should. Impermanence. Yeah.
0: Now, one of the big things I really wanted to talk with both of you about is, I've been reading a lot prior to the pandemic and since the pandemic that we are in a, quote, sex recession, mm. that uh, sex amongst young people, particularly young men, uh, younger men, is at an all time low. I thought maybe when the lockdown happened that we might have a baby boom and it appears not only are we not having a baby boom, but the opposite of true is true uh, p- with people's fear about their health and about their incomes that they don't want to be making kids and that they're not having sex. And so what the fuck's going on? Younger people are not having sex. They're delaying sex. They're losing their virginity later. Uh, there's studies out that say young men would rather play video games than get oh, laid. Yeah. Uh, and so what is, what is going on with this sex recession?
2: I have a whole theory about this because, so I believe that these stats that are put out there are talking about humans and and their sexual interactions right with one another when i think so i'm in the sex industry and i can tell you that the to- the, co- the amount of toys that are being sold right now is not it's it's like the it's like a geyser mm-hmm. of people purchasing products online. I like you cannot imagine our business is up four hundred percent versus the previous year when we were already up. And this mm-hmm. is not just hold my on, company. Hold on, I'm sorry
0: to interrupt you. Did you just say four hundred percent, April?
2: Yes, we're out of products right now. We, we cannot produce what we manufacture fast enough. We've and we've taken into account our growth. It's just impossible. And this is not only from the hot Octave. What the company I work with is called hot octopus. This is from the standpoint of a lot of manufacturers. People are running out of products. So mm-hmm. masturbators, vibrators, yeah. lube. So I think my theory is people are purchasing products and having sex with themselves. Mm-hmm. And that sex is not on the decline. I think people are... They're becoming learn or they're becoming uh, their own sexual vessel and they're masturbating more and because they're home. So yes, maybe those teenage boys are on video games, but then they're probably jerking off in a sock afterward, right? Because they have access to the internet. So this is my theory. Perhaps you have something different to add or say, but that's what I think sex is on
1: the in it's it's exponentially increasing everyone don't yeah. worry yes it depends how you define sex like yes, i guess true. and i and what with what you were saying about the um the the stats for when people actually have penetrative sexes is at a later age so there's that book uh it's called girls and sex i believe and by i think it's peggy orstein i might be saying it incorrectly it's a pink book uh and and it was research-based and she talks about how um that young people aren't having sex at a, at a younger age. They're actually having sex at a later age than they used to. But, um, girls are giving blowjobs at a younger age than they used to oral sex, providing oral sex, offering oral sex. You know, if, if it used to be more often at 14, now it's at 12. Um, and a lot of it is, about, I don't know if it's, I'm not saying this perfectly, but you know, if it's, it's younger. So 12 to 13 it's middle school. And, and it's about attention, and uh, and so it's actually not even really about. I mean, it's about sex because they're using sex for attention. But there's this, you know, this whether it's with the peers and the socially constructed idea on the the playground. I guess when you're in middle school, you don't call it a playground, but the schoolyard. Um, that that this is how you get attention. This is how you're a cool. Wait a chick. minute. Wait
0: a minute. <laughs> are, are you saying, Amy, there's school? playgrounds where people are getting blowjobs? Is, no, is, is this no, going on in Santa not Cruz not and it. I didn't hear about it before? No, that's
1: where they're talking about it. And they're like, I like, okay, I do you does anyone remember the first time they heard about a blowjob, like what it was? I I remember where I was standing and someone made a joke about it. I was in sixth grade. I had never heard this term before and blah 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 blow job. And I was like, what's a blowjob? So no I, I were you on I the digress were you in the schoolyard. I was I was <laughs> were, were there
0: blowjobs going on everywhere in the schoolyard no. I mean, do parents have to pay extra for this service? or are
1: still going on outside the schoolyard, mostly everyone, just so you know. But but this is, I mean, this is still, and I was like, are they really blowing too? What's a blow job? This it's confusing. Is very
0: confusing. confusing.
1: Um, we actually heard that it the term It is a blow strange
0: job, name for it, isn't it?
1: <laughs> what we heard is that, um, and this is just when we heard this from someone called Google, uh, Google, <laughs> Google, a little bird named Google told us that it's actually um, named after the act of blowing a load load uh from sex workers you paid for a job from a sex worker to blow a load and it was a blow and job that could
2: be you know your ejaculate or the wad of money that you were going to give the <laughs> that makes we're sense. not sure yet
0: <laughs> just blew that one <laughs> one wad or another yeah. but yeah. it was yeah, a wad it. of something
1: yeah one wad or another who knows i am very curious about what you're saying though about the, the video games and how screen culture in particular is affecting people in because we know that we get sucked into it we know that it affects connection that that people who get really used to this and hiding behind whether it's their phone or their computer screen or mm-hmm. texting or whatever that it can really affect actual face to face connection
2: socialization in general they
1: can get used to or or maybe they were never socialized to start and that's the only way now it's great that we have this thank goodness during covid we can connect through this i know people like some kids at home video games because now you can play with you know compete against people or play with people um live that it keeps them connected they're Mm -hmm. talking shit to each other like fuck you motherfucker and they're playing their video games um, Maybe they're saying nice things. Oh, you're there. you're the cutest, sweetest. I love you so much. I'm so glad you just dominated me. Oh, now it's sexy. <laughs> uh, but I'm curious to see what this will do. Right? How? What will sex look like in 20 years? Um, in and what will connection look like? And flirting? What is that going to be
0: like? Well, so uh, I'm I'm so glad we're here because here's the aha that I've had of late, ladies. If you are plus or minus 30 or younger. You're native digital. Native digital meaning you grew up when the cloud and the smartphone were prevalent and you use those things fairly early in life. And the aha I've had is that for most people who are native digital, their digital life is as important and in most cases more important than their physical or if you will, their analog life. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge aha. Aha. You know, for example, I'm sure you just saw that um, a a 30-second gift just sold for $6.6 million as a piece of art. And Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter, is selling his original tweet, and the current bid is $2.5 million. And there's this huge explosion in in digital products. And to people who are native analog, they look at it and go, who the fuck would spend two and a half million bucks for a tweet or six million bucks for a gif, But if you're native digital, it stands to reason that you would spend time, money, and energy trying to improve your digital life because it's actually more important to you than your physical life. And so what I wonder about this sex recession, to your point is, are people just having sex with toys and the internet as opposed to with each other? Is that what is happening? We're going to have an ongoing decline of person-to-person analog sex and a corollary increase with, for lack of a better description, digital sex.
1: I think so. I
2: think so as well. I think that the sale of robotic uh, sex dolls is increasing the technology the technology the the Mm. vr tech the you can get an oculus and attach it to some interactive pornography that is pretty incredible i and i i've seen it when we were in germany a few years ago they had the the initial launch of it and it was incredible you could be in a room watching people like have an orgy and you were there and you could kind of participate in that and it's only improving and improving and now with with the pandemic people are people are at it, they ha- They only have their screens. They're at their maximum for uh, being able to even interact with people when they're outside in the grocery store because you have masks and it's just there's more and more uncomfortability in interactions with humans. I am a very social human. I love socializing and I found the more time I spend digitally and I'm one of the the digital analog humans because I'm a millennial like I'm at the as well as Amy, so I have a little bit of both. I grew up with computers. I had a cell phone at the age of like 16, right? So it wasn't when I was 6. However, I will say that Being a social human and being at home so much and on my screen so often, when I go out into the world, it is more difficult for me to communicate. I'm in my zone, my video zone a lot of times. So I can't imagine for folks that aren't socially inclined to, to want to engage other humans how they feel when they go out into the world. It's got to be very uncomfortable. And sex is only going to amplify that, mm. right? And and interaction or your game, for instance, if you're single, how you're interacting.
0: This is a big one. The, the, the game thing is something I also wanted to talk to you about because when I grew up, at, at a certain p- point, you had to grab yourself by the balls and walk across the fucking gym and ask that girl to dance. Right. <laughs> and, 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 and as you, you got older and you go to clubs and parties and things like that, you had to learn how to talk to women and you had to have some fucking game. Right. Or you weren't going to get anywhere. Well, today you have to have
2: a, gift. a $2.5 million gift. And you, you're <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> right. You have to have digital game. You have to, you have to have text game. But what I find, particularly with the teenage and younger men in my life, is they might have very good digital game, but they shit themselves when they actually have to go on the date because they have no in-person game with women, none. And they're like you know, in their early twenties or sometimes in their thirties. And they're like, they still have like, like, fuck dude. Like I knew more about how to treat a woman when I was 14 years old than you do. when you're 23, like what the fuck's going on? And so there's this weird thing where you got to have digital game to meet uh, a partner, but then you go to meet in person and, and, and they don't know how to interact
1: i I also I think that there's this is like the gap you're talking about with the uh, the analog versus the digital folks right i because I, I also said this the other day I have a feeling that more probably more so the analog folks um that when covid Changes. I don't, I'm not going to say comes to an end, but transitions to a place where we could actually be inside a, a bar without masks, or maybe we mask forever. But we things are different where we can actually maybe go and pick up on someone in public. And in we're in Santa Cruz right here. It's a little more open right now. Outdoor restaurants are open. I think indoors opening too. Um, so that access is a little more available. I have, and I've also been a part of more retreat culture uh, where you know whether it's tantra retreats or dance retreats and people are craving for that, I have a feeling that the folks who are used to that already, they're cultured to be in that those worlds already, they're going to have a big old frenzy after. Mm-hmm. They're going to go nuts. I be, I think the bars are going to be packed when they can. do so you think eat. there's going to
0: be a sex explosion that yeah, happens I actually, the minute we...
1: Oh yeah. I do, but not for the young folks that are already stuck on the, on the phones and things. The kids though. that haven't been able to go to high school or yeah. the, the kids that haven't been
2: able to get out of or have
1: only been communicating for many years this way already or or even pre because pre-covid there were already people that were just like this is their their way this is it's easy you can hide behind it and it's always accessible um and so i just i don't know if they're going to be like oh yeah let's have a sex party you know but and also they're usually a little bit on the younger side um but i think for the folks that are are already accustomed to it are going to that's my guess at least i'll be one of them i'm just speaking for myself so
0: (laughs) i'm gonna be going wild. You're planning on going wild. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) It's going to happen. It's going to Amy's gone wild in many ways. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) which actually leads me to another thing. I'm very curious to ask the two of you about. Um, What's it like being women doing what you do?
2: Hmm. Well, that's a great (laughs) question and a (laughs) very,
0: you know, like I, I I talked to, I had a, I had a gal say this to me recently LinkedIn, by way of example, is the social network that I spend the most time on because I think it's the most valuable for me anyway. Hmm. And, and she was saying to me how she liked LinkedIn, but there are a lot of men that confuse LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, LinkedIn and Tinder rather. And I was like, really? And she's like, I get hit on like a couple times a week on LinkedIn. And I was like, are men that fucking stupid? Anyway, and so what my point is, is you both are very visible. You are very public people. You're attractive ladies, and you talk about sex in a way that is you know very potent, let me put it that way and so what does that well what does that mean in your life like like are you attracting things that maybe you don't want to or how does that happen, or how do you deal with that, or you know what's it like being with you living this public sex life
2: you know i I have a total wall. When it comes to interacting with folks that will hit me up on social media uh, via DMs or
1: Facebook.
0: Amy, are you drinking wine?
1: Hell yeah. Me too. Not a girl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, fuck. <laughs> do
1: that. Hey, uh, we get, we talk about sex all day. It's how it's. I'm
0: gonna pour myself a West Side yeah! Water whiskey. A West Side, water, West Side
1: water. Oh, it's from Santa Cruz.
0: Yeah, this is West Side whiskey. West Side Water we whiskey, about- right here in Santa, <laughs> Santa Cruz. Oh
1: my! Wow. God. Yeah,
0: this stuff is fucking awesome.
1: Where do I go buy it? They have their own little distillery. It's, it's over? all
0: over the place. Yeah, I
1: don't know, buy a bottle of that. Get out of your yeah, bubble, really, Amy. Your pandemic um, stuck in the midtown. Uh, we did
0: the we did an episode with John, the founder of the company, and they make custom whiskeys for uh, local bars and, and restaurants. And they do whiskey and uh, all sorts of uh, vodka and a whole bunch of different. Anyway, they're amazing, oh, incredible nice. local company. There's yeah. a lot of good distilleries. Called, the company's Sanford. called You Blend It.
2: You Blend, you blend It. Oh, look at that! You blend is It is such a little hub for creations. I you love it. it. Uh, Write it down.
0: Oh, we have so many legendary entrepreneurs here. It's really yes. fun.
2: Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, well, I'll just, I'll just finish kind of what I was, what I was Oh yeah, Cheers. tapping into. Cheers. Oh. <laughs> uh
1: And I think, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. April says it's seven years bad luck if you don't make eye contact while you, it's true. Cheers. I made okay, eye well Let's
0: make sure we do this right. Okay, then. here we go. Okay. All right. Cheers. I'm looking at you right in the eye. It's really hard. <laughs> <Cheers. to roll laughs> it's it's hard.
1: And you can't because of the camera. Anyways. I know. Wow. That's um, great.
0: I'll get drunk. I have to take my hand. Seventeen-year-old nephew for a driving lesson. I'll show up drunk. It'll be great.
1: <laughs> well, oh, no. He
2: can drive you, so yeah, that's perfect. perfect. Yeah. Exactly. I'm sure he yeah. is. Yeah, like got it together, and don't make him parallel park <laughs> down a hill.
0: He's actually not too bad on parallel parking. Oh, so that's good. good. Well, his test is coming up soon. But tell him how to curb his
2: wheels. Curb the wheels. No teenager ever knows how to do that. Mm-hmm. They get confused. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it was it like
1: being a lady, going back to it? Being a so lady. I have in to sex say, industry.
2: I haven't had a, a lot of a, a single moments in my career. However, when I have, people tend to either think I'm in porn, which...
1: When I say I sex industry, not, April's like, we're not... It's not don't say I, that. People think yeah, we're in porn. It's
2: not the sex. I'm not uh, in porn. They also think that I am going to be this super, probably kinky, into all sorts of fetish fetishes, which I'm not shaming. I'm just... I'm not a person that is going to be some sort of freak. Like, oh, call me. I'm going to be into all the things. I know about a lot of the things. And I choose to participate into what feels good to me. And it's also daunting for meeting uh, other... Dudes, because they are sort of intimidated. I think a lot by the uh, amount of exposure, and we do talk about a lot of our own personal experiences on the podcast, which can also create some uh, level of, I think, uh, maybe some fear for some folks. They, I, I, but we don't shame the hookups, and we don't name names. So I think there is a level of anonymity. We try to protect the people. However, it's not that hard to sleuth and find the people that we talk about on the show. I would say I respect people's decision. And I know that if they aren't into my work and my creative outlets, that they're probably not for me. So I choose to ignore the dick pics in the DMs Uh and move on from those and uh, I choose. Does
0: anybody like a dick pic in their DM?
2: If they, most people don't. No, if no. they ask for
1: it, I never ask for that. Not things. a dick that you don't know. Like most, oh. people, like there's maybe a few, maybe some people, but very few are really into a strange dick, right? Like, like oh, a nice strange dick. I'm so hot, turned on right now. First of all, like dicks can be beautiful. Dicks can also just look strange. And let's also say, if I don't know the dick, I'm like that's. That's not consensual. I feel like Amy is a good resource for this question because you've been single
2: a bit more throughout your career in this industry. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've also been a master at navigating it, I think, better than I am because (laughs) I choose... I usually am just like the ultimate no. And I'm like, here you are. And you're more of this... You have this uh, very beautiful way to Ooh, thanks, be yeah. like the the maestro right like in the orchestra <laughs>
1: like I'm super nice Uh
2: I know like you can orchestrate things without being like fuck
1: you oh yeah I and yeah so well so here's what's interesting so if you compare our podcast or our positions in the sex toy or industry or the novelty industry or the sex education industry we, and I, I think April, I'll put her in the same category, we get a lot less, and I'm going to do air quotes, creepers, You know, people who are coming in just to hit on us or say things that are disrespectful or pushing boundaries or just sending us dick pics than a lot of other people might because, and this is my theory, we... Are speaking from a very empowered platform that doesn't really invite that, right? I think if pe- most people hear us speak, they're not like, "Oh yeah, these girls, these slutty bitches." They really want to see my. Although it happens, right now. though, it happens. It does, but it's not common. It's not often. I and or for me, and out there in the world, I'm also a little over five nine. I, um, I don't often get what I, I'm doing the, the 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 air quotes and creeped on where I don't have a lot of people coming up to me and like just trying. And to when we touch go out, I get picked me. up. By random April dudes. people will just grab yeah. me and
2: like pick me up. And, and Amy She's gets shorter. mad. She's yeah. like, leave yeah, up. Don't touch her. I just had to interject there because you've seen it happen. You Ran- get
0: random dudes, April will just pick you up.
2: I'll be I like, like dancing woman the when, when, when there were like when we would go out dancing or something yeah. uh, back in the day. Yeah. Uh yeah. I would just be dancing, oh, like, oh hey, not with the dude, like grinding like weird. Yeah. And Amy would like in a circle of women. And I would just get literally it has happened more than one or
1: one, one or two, I three come over times. Like, put her down right now. And put her Amy down. And Amy will be my protector. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like no, this is hilarious. Now. I'm like, why does this keep happening to you? You're wearing high heels. You're like two inches shorter than me with high heels on. And yet you're still... So, anyways, and I know that's it's not, not, not your, digress your, your question. And so, so also just, I've, I have experienced, especially being a single person when, when I have been single explaining what I do and people being absolutely terrified of me. You know, it's very intimidating. Like April said, you must be into everything you talk about. You are poly, kinky, queer, all the things. And then there's the other side. Oh, you do what? You must be into everything you talk about. Oh yeah, now I'm really into you. And and instead, then there's of course some wonderful people who can meet me in the middle and know that I'm still a human I'm still a person like I'm, I am Amy and I talk about and teach about a lot of things. I've tried a lot of them. Maybe most of them. I haven't tried all of them. I'm not into all of them. I'm not into all people. Um, and just because we do something that is edgy that you're afraid of or intimidated by doesn't. Mean that I'm an intimidating person. I'm just well practiced in it. I have my own insecurities and my own slip ups, and I've fucked up in the world of sexuality so many times. I've done so many embarrassing things and had some really uncomfortable or traumatic experiences. And so I use that as leverage to teach to myself and other people. Um, but and and fun fact about this with uh, people being intimidated or also infatuated, and then the middle ground of um, attracted to us for what we do. My current partner uh, was a podcast fan Fanboy. Fan he, uh, listened to, to our podcast to try to help his marriage. That was not going so Didn't well. Help. Communication. Help. And and he it decided help. he
0: wanted to hang out with you instead of his no. wife.
1: <laughs> no, he was trying really hard to make that marriage work. It wasn't, wasn't, there was a lot of things I won't give away personal details, it was but there, beyond was, repair. Yeah, there was just stuff there that was that. And, and so, and I think it's really beautiful that he actually, he wanted to, he wanted to say, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I need to learn some things, how to communicate sex skills, et cetera. Um, you know, and, and long story short, and this, this isn't the only reason why it's like they try, of course you tried some things, but there's a lot of other stuff there. that's not my place to talk about, um, but it didn't work. And I went into a yo- local yoga studio here in Aptos, um, it's a hot source yoga. And I walked in and I heard shameless sex. And I was like, uh, "Oh yeah, is it my my voice or my hair?" He's like, "It's your voice. I've, I I listened to you." And I was like, "You're kind of hot." And I was single at the time. He's like, "He's wearing short shorts. He's all sweaty. What's up?" But nothing happened um, for another month. And then he actually did slide into my DM. He sent me a Facebook message, and and was was but not worded, a dick pic no dick pic he was very nice about it but all of his pictures are of fa- his family so i'm like what the fuck is this is he in an open marriage or like which i mean if it open i might try that you know who knows uh and so we started talking and um they were separated and we started dating and the intention was to be casual and it wasn't so at any rate he was so here's one of the beauties of dating him because you've heard our podcast right we talk very openly about the type of sex we like, that we've had, what we're into, what our trauma is, what our daddy issues are. Uh, you get a very good sense of who we are from listening to our podcast. We are the same, like right? The way we're talking right now, this is just how April and I are, are all the time. Sometimes we're tired. Sometimes we're more energized. So if someone listens to our podcast and they're like, I'm really attracted to who you are, I'm like, yeah, they so can really also do me. their
2: research to learn exactly how, how I like to, to be navigate yeah. the old uh yeah. the the old I'm going to run up to you at the bar and uh say some things that I think will turn you on. They can actually just learn what we both like from listening to our podcast, which I think is kind of cool. It's it's the glorified Tinder these days. You don't have to swipe anywhere. You just listen to the hours of content that we've created and come hit on us <laughs> and come hit it on is- us if you see us out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> don't touch, us, it is don't a, touch um, us. Don't touch us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, but this is the thing, right? Like, you know, I'm the same way on my podcast. I'm myself. I don't play some character that I invented. And so people who listen to the podcast on a regular basis, they know who I am because I'm not, this is exactly who I am. And so, uh, but the difference between you and me is, um, I don't talk about sex all the time. I'm not a single person and I'm not a female person. Um, And so I know how bizarre it is to have exactly the experience, Amy, that you just described to be standing in line at Verve or somewhere and have somebody go, are you Christopher Locke? I mean, that's a very weird experience, right? And they recognize your voice. Um, But again, I think my version of that experience and your version of that experience are probably pretty different.
2: Well, when we were on the cover of The Good Times, uh, it was what, two years ago now? I don't remember. But that was, I think, when Santa Cruz, the local Santa Cruz folks, we would both be walking individually somewhere and, and at Whole Foods, I'd be trying to get something or at... The local grocery store and
1: they were like, Shameless sex. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, Yeah,
2: cool. My thanks. my favorite yeah. one is, is
1: when I've actually been in a grocery store and someone's like, Shameless Sex, I'm listening to you right now. And oh, I'm like, what dope. episode are you listening to? They're like, Pegging and Deep Anal. I'm like, no, you're awesome. Go get it. <laughs> or one that I whatever they're listening to is one where we've vulnerably shared like a lot of our details. I'm like, oh, which oh, yeah. what, what part about my life are you hearing right now? Um, but again, here's the other thing is we do this because we know that that's going to be the case we didn't we didn't we we didn't choose a position or career yeah. to be private people we're shameless sex because we're public well people. also how many emails and accolades
2: have we received testimonials of folks just saying what we've changed their lives I mean that to me just by talking openly just by that. talking openly and doing what we do, and we have our incredible guests that come on and share their expertise, and I feel so. I feel just that my life is complete with this creative outlet that we're doing the podcast because the listeners have said I haven't been able to do this ever before. Now I listen to your podcast and I'm able to move on. I was going to commit suicide but you normalized STDs and now I feel like I can go on or I always felt like I wanted to cross dress my whole life and I never could tell anyone and you've normalized that. So, and it's not us normalizing it, it's us making sure that folks know it's okay as long as it's it isn't hurting anyone else, and it's consent. You're consenting if you're involved in a in a relational uh, exchange with someone else and experience with someone else that it's consensual. Uh, but it's okay to feel and to have these thoughts and things or these uh, these desires. So,
0: you two, having listened to a bunch of your podcasts for a long time and enjoying it, you're radically accepting radically unfazed, radically unjudgmental, radically ac- accepting. I mean, I could say to you, well, you know, I really love it when I shove spiders up my ass and, and, and my impression would be that you would not bat an eyelash. There's almost, is there, I mean, but did the Could spiders want say-
2: it? <laughs> the spiders didn't want it, were you they Were They do. Were yeah, they, yeah. Were they live? Alive like, were they
1: already I like it with
0: dead? dead
1: <laughs> okay. Did you kill them or are they already dead? Yeah, right. <laughs> I only
0: take the already dead ones. I'm not okay. a murderer. <laughs> this
1: is a tricky one. Okay. Yeah, that is a tricky one. Because the spiders didn't We have a dead. lot of
0: questions about this. <laughs> yeah.
1: We get the spider question all the time. Um, yeah, so well, I when I was uh, going to school for psychology and human sexuality, I also did um, a training that still exists. It's in San Francisco. It's, called san francisco sex information.org or sfsi.org sfsi and they do sex education certification trainings but they also have a switchboard since probably the 80s where you can call or send emails for anonymous sex questions Um, and i think they do a training twice a year so i did that i think it was 2008 or nine and um i think it was eight because before we opened the store and uh so i and what they teach is non-judgmental communication uh how to talk to people without bringing your agenda and your bias and what their motto as well as the sex positive motto is all consensual sex is good sex mm-hmm. so with spiders you know, because so or bestiality, right? You know, you're not saying that necessarily, but like you take it. We can't account for what and how an animal thinks or feels, right? So that that's a tricky one. But like, you know, in in an object or or another human, an object too. Like, you know, you're, you are you want to play with a cucumber? Go ahead, just probably sure don't put your ass. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> just make
2: sure it's anally safe because yeah. you could get that cucumber lodged in your your uh. You can just keep on going. And it'll be make for a great, oh, a Ooh, really great. I love you in the ER. Yeah, the X ray will be nice. But
1: it won't be not so for nice. you. But the the. When
0: often, I was a. Go ahead. When I was a kid, uh, in my teens, I worked at, uh, as an orderly in a hospital, and I did many a weekend uh, overnight shift in the ER. And uh, wowie, wee, wow! Uh, Three a.m. on a Saturday night in a major urban center. Oh, yeah. uh, what comes in the ER and what people get stuck in their orifices and the embarrassment and it—it's it, like holy shit! And th- all that stuff really happens, doesn't it? it?
1: It's real, yeah. I accidentally sat on a gerbil, like mm, <laughs> a little I toy know. car. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how this little toy car got in here. I fell down on it, and yeah, just everyone, if you actually decide to experiment with something in your ass, make sure it has a flange or a flared There's Lots face. of sex toys like that a, can like help a you. Pacifier. Just, yeah, you. Yeah, you can just go on a stopper uh,
2: on, uh, on PurePlusherShop Actually, there you and go. go. Get something that is anally friendly, and so you don't have to just take household items. That's you what I recommend.
1: Get your get your sex toys there. So yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot the question that we were talking about. Well, I we were, a, i had a thing about that. Oh, oh, the anal. Oh, accepting. <laughs> here's so here's what I, what I want to say about that is is this is another thing that makes shameless sex different. If we were a mainstream sex podcast, you know, having catty girl talk about that dick that we fucked and fuck that motherfucker. And like, you call this other girl and he's so annoying and, 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 you know, things like that. Or, or even if we didn't talk like that, but we were still using judgmental language or hate language or shame language. You like spiders up your ass. Oh, that's so gross. And believe me, some of those podcasts they are really do. big. Some yeah. of those podcasts are really popular. They're bigger than us. Um, And they're not usually just in the sex realm. They're in other realms too. Uh, and we've been educated to only promote as much as we can. We're not perfect. Sometimes we say the wrong thing or maybe not the wrong, but something that uh, offends someone. Um, but we want to help the world. We want to help people. And we know what it's like to be confused and to not like parts of our bodies or to be embarrassed or be, feel shame. Why would we want to do more of that to other people? And so as long as they're not harming themselves or someone else, unless they're consenting or to spiders harm, Or spiders. <laughs> um, <laughs> then we're on board and we're here to support. And yeah, and part of that training, by the way, uh, at specific And also I think it's the SAR, S-A-R training for sexuality, uh, people in the sexuality field. You look at a wall of something like 10 different pornographic images, everything from some vanilla sex to bestiality to some beautiful lips licking a piece of poop. And I don't think it's always the same images, but they say, focus on the one that makes you the most uncomfortable and just see what you feel and what you think and the thoughts and the things that you want to say. And just, just like, just so you can get an awareness of what freaks you out, the things that you're really uncomfortable with and how you handle it. So that you know that if you're going to be a sex therapist or sex educator, you might encounter someone who says, hey, this is my jam. And if you make the cringe face or you, I mean, you can, they can easily tell when you're like yucking their yum and just disapproving. And in that sticks, all we have to do is make a face or just barely say anything that is disapproving and it sticks with people. It hurts them.
0: And when somebody's being that vulnerable to share something that maybe they haven't shared with many, or maybe they haven't shared with anyone else. Just that little twinge in your cheek or whatever. You, mm-hmm. you want to what? You do, you like to what? I heard one recently on, <laughs> on a podcast where this guy said that what he was really into, like does it every day, is lick envelopes. Mm. He loves the taste of that envelope glue. Just the standard, I guess there's multiple, you can dye different flavors and this and that. But he likes whatever the regular, normal mail envelope envelope glue is and he'll sit there and it's like having a beer at the end of the day to relax and just wants to lick all this glue
2: there was that seinfeld episode though remember i don't know if you all ever watched seinfeld where george was going to get married and his fiance was licking envelopes and because she licked so many envelopes she she ended up dying oh no no. she died from licking so many envelopes i did not yeah and he was like oh fuck because the invite invitation. Yeah. Was, so maybe that guy should look into the toxicity levels though. Be of the careful
0: envelopes. for, the I missed food. that episode. Of Seinfeld, so. <laughs> really?
1: Oh my God. It was a good one. Well, um, and I'm curious about that too is, you know, is, uh, so you're speaking as like a fetish and they're getting turned on by, it. it's not just like a relaxing thing. They're actually like, they're getting off to it a little I, bit. I
0: thought it was a little bit of both. It okay. was a little bit of a sexual thing and yeah. a little bit of a, I like this more than I like a beer or a glass of wine or, or whatever.
1: Well, here's huh. the cool thing about sexuality is we, like, we have these things that we have... Sometimes we have no idea where they came from. And the, it's just the brain doing the magical brain things. Some people believe it's some ancestral karma, trauma, or experiences. Um, and sometimes we just don't remember where maybe it came from. Who knows? Um, or the brain also can eroticize just first-time experiences in very interesting ways as a means of dealing with it, as a means of understanding it, right? So say someone was breastfed really late in life, like till they were nine. They might... Perhaps grow up to be a breast fetishist, maybe not. I'm they not love saying some that, that's, you know, that may, and they might not. That might, they might just because someone's breastfed, so they're nine doesn't mean yeah. they're going to be a breast fetishist. Um, you know, or someone who was was spanked and they didn't, even if they didn't like it when they were a kid, might grow up to really like spanking as a way to deal with the trauma of this this thing that happened. So, some an experience can be positive and it can turn into a fetish. It can be negative, it could turn into a fetish or a kink. Uh, and I think that. That is beautiful because it shows how brilliant our system is in how we handle things, how we deal with things. Now, the tricky thing is when they're not consensual and we have a a desire arousal for something that you can't, can't consent. Like, I'll just bring it to the bestiality thing, which we don't need to go too deep into. Um, and so that's, you know, that's something that is a, is a little tricky thing. And I'm not, this is not where I'm going to say that I'm highly trained in, um, but not um, something that in the sex positive movement we would necessarily advocate for. Um, I don't really know the therapy behind something of, of those sorts, but it, I mean, it is, it is in the category of a fetish.
2: And there's people that
1: do have a particular,
2: uh, sense on how to therapize people if they are wanting to, uh, move through yeah. bestiality if that is something because you can't pray the gay away and i don't know if you can pray the bestiality yeah. away however you can work with professionals to help you uh because look there's nothing we're not saying it's bad or have shame around that it's more or less like how can you move through that or how can you honor that and
1: still uh or how can therapy or the system better accommodate someone's thing that is that is kind of stuck in their brain? Well, Petophilia is a huge one too. That's, that's, the, that's the one I was trying to dodge. But we'll yeah. dodge it. We'll dodge yeah. it. It is though. It's a thing. It is. Right? It is. And so I was like, how? How instead of saying. Hey let's just you they're bad you should get rid of this thing and they and it's not working how can we instead change the system so that they have better support I'm not talking about access too, to to well, like This you know.
2: American Life did a whole podcast about pedophilia and it was it was incredible because they they wanted to actually create a sense of, hey, if we put these people into a box and shut them away, uh, this exists. It's not going away. How, what can we do to actually mm-hmm. actually, like heal this or help folks so they're not going to be pedophiles and they can have this thing and not bring it into uh, the, the, real situations? And even
1: bringing that away from the topic that most people don't want to talk about too, to just trauma in general, to, to bring it away, bring it towards something where like we have any sort of trauma. It doesn't just leave us on its own. It's not like, okay, it's it's been fun. You know, we usually need to do some sort of work and get some sort of support. And that applies to all kinds of things. And I'm not saying that all fetishes or or kinks need to go away or we need to do support around them, but if they're not consensual or they're not serving us, um, that, that there's, there are outlets and ways to get support, and sometimes we need better outlets that we really don't have as in this system, at least, quite yet.
0: And Amy, do you know off the top of your head, or maybe April, uh, what the statistics are around the percentage of people? I've read things in the past, but I don't want to quote things not knowing, but it seems to me there's a high percentage of people, higher than maybe uh, some might think, who have experienced some kind of uh, abuse or sexual trauma.
1: I th- the number, and I won't say this perfectly Either but I think that the, One of the numbers that they were saying was Like one in three people that you know Will have some sort of sexual trauma and want, but it, that, If you change that number to Just looking at women it's like one in two women um, I believe this is the last I heard and I think that this is just what's Potentially reported um, I mean I think of all the women I know I somehow Most of the women I know for somehow we don't fit in that Statistic but depends on how you define sexual trauma it Also, That's what I was just going to say because yeah. Uh,
2: if you can put all sorts of trauma we don't ever talk about the hierarchies of trauma because there isn't a hierarchy of trauma someone that has suffered sexual abuse as a child or suffered uh being victim of sexual assault as or a just teenager. coercion that oh, coercion yeah. that's the thing so there's levels just, sorry. I, yeah. yeah so it's it's kind of one of those things that i think that if you're a human being and you're it, it, you're uh, especially a vulva owning human being most of us have a uh have probably experienced some sort of uh trauma mm-hmm. the level is undetermined uh, because I've never been raped I've never been victim of an assault I've been harassed I've been a lot of coercion uh, a lot of coercion mm-hmm. so um and
1: I had a lot of sex that I didn't want to have and I said yes anyway Totally
2: so it depends on how you define that mm-hmm. and uh it could be the same for penis owners I have had a lot of penis owning friends and partners in the past that have told me about babysitters that touched them weird mm-hmm. or uh like female babysitters that that were teenagers like that we're doing weird shit to them. I was really shocked. And and because a lot of those types of situations go undiscussed because there's so much shame around those.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of hidden. Yeah.
0: And so this this brings us to an interesting spot, which is, you know, we live at a time of uh, increased awareness, increased training, um, uh l- changes in laws that have happened over the last uh 15 20 years or so around sexual harassment around sexuality and harassment in the workplace uh et cetera, et cetera. and so on one hand here you are um outwardly talking about all this stuff and you'll say things that are you know explicit and all this kind of stuff and, and at the same time we're at a place where i think a lot of us um are trying to figure out how to be a person in this world where we want, we want to be sensitive. We don't want to necessarily be offensive, but at the same time, if we're committed to full self-expression, um, we want to be able to talk about things and we want to be able to share things. And so what guidance do you have for, how do we have these conversations with each other, um, in a way that does work so that you and I can have a conversation about sex where, um, you know, I'm not an asshole for asking you questions about sex because we're fucking having a conversation about sex. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I think there's a, a, a probably a time and a place for the the most part. And, and, you know, if you're working at some, some corporate office, you know, just sitting at, at the desk across the little cubicle across from your, your friend and you're like, Hey, how was the, how was the bang last night? You know, unless it's like someone, you know, your, your bro, your buddy, your lady friend or whatever, um, whoever, however they identify where it's already, you're already friends. You're, it's already negotiated. I mean, some of this is to me is like a little bit common sense ish, right. Where you can feel into it. And a lot of people just aren't trained into reading other people. And some people don't know how to, um, and how to read the energy and the vibe, right? There it's not, they're not trained to be present and to really like pick up on the overall energy, read people's body, body's language, but going really slow. They're just kind of like shooting around in the dark. Um, And that's unfortunate. I wonder how much of that is related to screen culture, too. Honestly, like, what is that going to be like all the screens and then people showing up to in-person stuff and not knowing how to talk? And they're that awkward person cracking dick jokes in a very inappropriate time. Um, So I know I think that is a a tricky one uh, as well, because because if people are too censored, then they're in their heads all the time. And that is that's that's very limiting, and we don't want, especially if it comes to actually having sex, we don't want to be all up in our heads all the time. It gets in the way, um, so I I think just really starting to pay more attention and to get clear and to maybe ask before you dive into the conversation. Right, so um, I think this. This kind of, I was just in a situation recently where the conversation started to go into something that was seemingly sexual, and and as it started to go into that, and this wasn't in a workplace though, but as it started to go in that, the person that was going, there was like, stop and was like, hey, I'm realizing this is going this place. Is this okay right now? You know, checking in. Like, are you all, or is this? Okay? i I'm, I'm calling myself out that we're going into this new place, whether it's flirtatious or um, profane or something like that. Uh, so yeah, it's a it is a tricky time though. So I don't I don't have the perfect answer though, but especially when it comes to like HR in the corporate place. Nor do I have much experience in that place too. And I feel for people who feel like they're walking on eggshells, and I feel for all the people who feel like they've also been abused. Um, and I like that people are feeling safer to be in more protected. But I also don't love that people are like, wait, but how do I do this? How do I relate? And be well. And
0: myself? one of the things I wonder about in this regard, ladies, is hopefully, you know, we'll continue to scale these vaccines. Hopefully the new, the new variants will be manageable and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to be with each other in a more normal way. Of course, we all live in the same town and if it weren't for COVID, we'd all be together in the studio and that would be wonderful and we're not for obvious reasons. But what I'm wondering about is just like in the last couple of weeks, I've done, I've done a few things that I hadn't done in a year. You know, so uh, I, I took my uh, nieces and nephews uh, skiing up at Shasta and, you know, my wife being my wife, she calls our doctor and like, we make sure we're not going to do anything stupid, you know. So anyway, we're, you know, we're doing all the things that the doctor says we, we need to do if you're going to go do a trip like this. Anyway, it's weird being out in the fucking world again. It's weird. Like at Shasta, I, I open the door to the ski rental place. The entire room is packed full of fucking people, mm. packed like it's 2017 i'm like hey uh i don't know if you guys have read anything on the internet lately or maybe if there's a newspaper or anything out there but this looks like a fucking rona swap me to me, people anyway my point is it's weird being out in the world and having to interact with people. And, and we're so used to now keeping a distance. and We're so used to not being able to see people's face, just their eyes. And like, you have to sort of squint a little extra to make sure that you know that they're, you're smiling at them because they can't, you know, uh, this, this gal said to me a while ago, she's like, oh, I could see your crow's feet. I know you're smiling at me. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Of <laughs> and so anyway, this is leading me to a big question, which is there's this pent up human demand to be with each other. And there is this sex recession going on. And so as as we're allowed to be with each other and things get safe again, um, isn't it going to be awkward being with each other again? And how do we navigate that, ladies?
2: Well, it's awkward because it is for sure awkward. And I think that it's also a way to tap into the positives, because I feel anytime I've been in a, in a, in a moderately, uh, spaced out group situation that's outside, Oh, it's a birthday party with eight people. We're, we're socially distancing. It's easy to slip into the negativity of like, I'm so sick of this. My life sucks right now. And everyone's going through it. That's what I've discovered. I'm like, Holy shit. Is this the, the, uh, the zodiac or some kind of universal uh, planetary alignment that is fucking all of us? Or is it just that we're all exhausted with the current state of how we have to live? So I what I try to do is tap into the positive and saying, this is an opportunity. I've never been uh, more successful in all realms of my career and the facets of my career. And uh, I also have felt really uh, the ability to be healthy and eat healthy and do things and learning to play guitar. So I think if you can shift from kind of like I was talking about with the reversing the don'ts to the do's in, in designing relationships, also tapping into the positive of what's going on when you are feeling anxious and you are in newly uh, in like new environments where there's more people than you've been accustomed to for a while that are outside of the, the structure of your home. And it's going to be a shift because it's been so much time. However, if you can really, I think, again, grasp onto to whatever is uh, helping you feel... If you have things that help you feel good, uh, grasping onto those and sharing those things and then listening and, and talking to other people. That's my advice. Whether I, or not that works, it's...
1: I think the people that are already skilled in relating... So again, they're not part of the screen culture or they are, or are already terrified of relating. it's going to take them into, okay they're skilled in relating already in, in person, and they've been doing their work during this COVID trauma because this is a trauma, everyone. I know that I had a whole year of a dark era of this, and I'm, f- I'm finally just feeling like my full shiny Amy um, who can give all of myself when it comes to relating to people, whereas you know six months ago, I was the dim dimmer version of myself um so add those two together you already are skilled in relating and you're coming out of into these places where now we can have masks off and be close to each other Um, and in a good place uh it's gonna take us two days we're gonna fucking figure it out we're like oh this whole thing a little clunky did it okay now it feels good this is awesome i want more yeah For the folks who are not skilled, it's going to be real awkward. For the folks who are coming out with their dimmer switch way down, turned way down and and probably needing more support, which is a lot. Like the statistics for anxiety and depression are crazy right now. Mm -hmm. The increase is nuts what therapists are reporting. And a lot of people don't have therapists. They don't have access, they don't have money, or they don't want to help themselves. They don't know how to help themselves. There's so many reasons why. Um, And so those people trying to show up out here, and I'm not trying to say those people like, because I, I mean, I've, I have been there many times in my life, but especially this last year. Um, but therapy's huge for it to help that. I, yeah. yeah. The therapy, medicine therapy, all the things. Man. Yeah. I, and so you put th- those folks and that's a lot of folks all of a sudden let's go and relate and like they're showing up with half of themselves or 10% of themselves. It's going to not only be awkward, but challenging. It's going to be really, really, really challenging. So um, I think what we're going to come out with is we already know this, a huge mental health issue and we don't have the full support for it. We don't have the money behind it. We don't have all the resources behind it and resources behind it, unfortunately. And um, it's really up to people to choose to help themselves and not, and then it is a privilege thing too, right? With accessibility. So, um, and, and then with that, with that too, like with folks who are really struggling, like you said earlier, Christopher, um, sex is like on the back burner for uh-huh. most of those folks. They're, they're just trying to survive each day. Uh, so I, in terms of sex, like that might even be a whole different thing. But for, and so I, for people though, I think who are highly resourced and have experience though, I think it's going to well, help them very quickly. There's also so many more resources that
2: aren't just uh therapists that are online you can mm-hmm. there's apps you can download there is you have to do Meditation. some of the work to actually be able to deal with your mental health stuff and it is it's the breath work it's meditating it's okay instead of plopping myself in front of netflix for eight hours perhaps I'm going to learn how to speak Spanish on the Duolingo app or I'm, I'm saying for me I know I struggle with mental health stuff through this thing as well and sex was on the back burner there for a minute I wasn't feeling sexual. It's like the last thing I, I'm stressed. Like I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. So I would say the things that have helped me are downloading the apps that I resonate with and listening to the empowerment uh, speaking things, the podcasts that light me up, uh, reading more, and and taking a moment away from social media and trolling and being an asshole online, and mm-hmm. actually doing the things that I know would would uh, and have
1: helped my mental health. Mm-hmm. It's not, yeah, it's not scrolling on the apps all the time. And one yeah. last thing I'll add to that is I can't speak for all states or all places. And I know it's a podcast, so it's global, but I know at least here we have something in Santa Cruz called family services. And I think in Watsonville, there's like sunshine services where people who just did, they got their master's degree in counseling now have to do their 2000 hours oh, supervised. Yeah. And it is low for low income folks. You can get $30 sessions. And I don't know if this is global and they can't, you know, if someone's doing that in California, doesn't mean that they can work with you. New Jersey because a lot of it is state by state. Licensing stuff. But if you're feeling like money is an issue, there almost always is at least something for you to pick you up off the floor. And it really is a time where a lot of people are on the floor. You can get an app for
2: $4.99. Yeah. Yep.
0: One of my neighbors just became a therapist and she just went through that process. Uh, And yeah, to your point, there are incredible apps that I've been reading about that are doing uh, online therapy with real therapists. And one of the latest things I've heard there is um, bot therapists.
1: Oh, we're like robots, mm-hmm. like actual programs. Interesting.
0: And I look, it sounds, to those of us who are not native digital, it sounds a little, you know, what are you talking about? But uh, some people say it really works, that the, the machine learning learns how to help you. So I don't who knows I'm we'll so see curious.
1: i want to try one of those out just to see just to fuck what with it ask it like what about deep yeah. anal fisting what about explodes all a sudden.
0: that might blow the algorithm right up there amy
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>
0: well clearly ladies i could talk to you about sex for we could do a 12-part mini series together and i'd be <laughs> stoked but i want to be respectful of your time uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we wrap
2: I just want to touch on Amy right now because I have her. She's literally touching right me next to me. Right I'm now. touching
0: her.
1: Could you a little I'm softer. touching her. Oh all, uh, you guys wanna you all wanna slower know? Slower than that? Yeah, our uh, shameless sex slogans go slower than slow and go slower than that. So <laughs> because most people when they think they're going slow, they're still not going yeah, that slow. So don't do the whole brrrr. Yeah. vulva yeah.
2: flippage <laughs> go slow
1: yeah if you haven't experienced uh, although we speak very quickly
2: so we, we don't we go slower fast. than that when we probably and we sometimes
1: some we like to have sex really fast in yeah. too. sometimes but, you can get pounded and it feels great <laughs> what i will say is that uh hard and fast there's a time and place and what i will leave you with if there's one sex tip that you take with us today it's well actually I'll give you two one is presence if you're you know, most people one of their main issues with sex is they're just not showing up for it they're in their heads and on their bodies and so start practicing being in your body if you don't know how to do that take up a meditation practice or um, start doing some embodied therapy work your breath is your medicine breath is very helpful just start to learn that single pointed focus on something that is in your body not in your mind Um, and then the other thing is go slower than slow and slower than that we're not saying all the time but especially when you're just starting to touch a body whether it's a shoulder a cock a vulva and you need the skin on skin to acclimate to each other if it's two bodies and um, and also to wake nerve endings up taking your time now sometimes a penis can handle really fast and hard all right away uh but because least speaking for vulvas just really experiment with it a lot of people find they get more pleasure when they go when they slow the fuck down and
2: check in check in remember
1: no one's psychic no one well, is psychic. Psych- well,
2: maybe, yeah, calling that's true. All psychics. <laughs> we're doing a cash and call for psychics right now. Yeah. So I think that's great advice. And the last piece that I will add, which I said earlier in uh, the show is that it's really important that it's not about the destination, but oh, yeah. it's about the journey. Love it. Sometimes Aww. you might not orgasm.
1: That's okay. Yeah. Don't get sad on it. There's a lot of yummy things in between. Yummy.
0: I heard one of your more recent episodes was something about having sex all day.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a question from a listener. <laughs> yeah, there's the listener asking, the sex marathon. How, how do I have a sex marathon? We gave yeah. some advice. So here's a fun story about that. Lots of birds. I don't think I actually talked about... Oh, we're recording right after this. In the intro, I'll talk about that there, but I'll share it here. So my partner was like, uh, can we do that? I was like, yeah, we should totally do that. Or maybe I was like, we should do this. Anyways, so what we did, it was sex marathon day. Um, this will be a short story, everyone, because I know we got to go soon. Um... <laughs> But we, what we did was we didn't have sex all day. My pussy doesn't want to have penetrative sex all day. It sounds exhausting and painful. I mean, you know, like an ice pack and stuff? No, thank you. Um, what we did was we had some. We just decided we'd be together all day. We had phenomenal sex in the morning. We spent breakfast naked, had drinking coffee. We had to put clothes on to go to a children's birthday party and had, did not have sex there. But at the children's, children's birthday. In the park, uh,
0: show, as, you know, as you do, generally yeah. clothing at a children's <laughs> party.
1: Yeah, went there, hung out with friends, had some champagne at the children's party. And then my partner pulled me in the corner. We did not have sex. He's like, let's go home. So we went home. We had an awesome afternoon sex. I think we had some great afternoon anal. Hey, sometimes you can have average sex. Just say that sometimes. Okay. No, it was amazing. And then we took my dog to the vet. And then they had average <laughs> sex in the car waiting for the dogs <laughs> there. And then we decided we would go home, you know, by five o'clock and we would pretty much just be naked and like touching each other and eat naked and maybe have sex here, but sex wasn't just always penetration. That was our sex marathon all day. It was a day dedicated to sex and intimacy, but didn't involve having sex all day. Mm. That was how I did it. Um so yeah, that's just I've one, had a sex marathon get... with
2: my marathon with myself all day. How many orgasms? I was do you like, have? how many orgasms? I think I had 28. In a day. Jesus. Self-induced. Do
1: you, do you still have a clitoris?
2: Yeah. <laughs> and it still works really well. Yes. Vibrators do not desensitize everyone. That is a myth. Myth busting from April. It's only going to improve your sex life. Okay. Vibrators. A-
0: April, you said 28.
2: <laughs> He's writing it down. <laughs> <laughs> I see him with his pen. Like, I, wow. did, I did lose track after about 24, but I think there were about four or five more after that. Yeah. Shit. I just wanted to <laughs> see what could happen. It didn't even take all day either. It took probably five hours or so. Damn. Just saying.
0: You're amazing. <laughs> uh, I, As I, a I, man, I find that um, endlessly fascinating.
1: <laughs> <laughs> April, when I, when I grow up, I want to be like you too. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, I think that
2: anyone's capable of that. If, if you really put your mind into it and you your pussy into but it. But not
1: too much mind because then you will be in your body. Hey! Well,
2: your biggest sex <laughs> organ is your brain.
0: That's true. all right ladies anything else
1: (laughs) can we tell you where to find our podcast
0: oh we'll do we'll do all that in the intro outro. we'll take good care of you in santa cruz
2: we live at 1122 i'm just kidding and my social security number is 555 yeah 800
0: it's okay putin already has your social security (laughs) number
2: hey putin hey what was he single i can speak some (laughs) russian (laughs)
0: ladies you're legendary thank you so much i mm-hmm. sure hope you'll come back and i can't wait to see you in person and um and hopefully share a glass of wine or or west side water whiskey mm-hmm. or whatever else you'd like to drink together and the first five rounds are on me
3: oh, Ooh, sounds
2: fun. That. thank you this was <laughs> super fun
0: thank you so much please stay legendary well there they are April and Amy, how do you like that conversation? Please make sure to check out the Shameless Sex Podcast wherever you get legendary podcasts. That's the Shameless Sex Podcast with Amy and April. And speaking of podcasts, why don't you hit subscribe on your podcast player right now if you're not subscribed already to follow your different. On our next episode, a legendary dialogue with a woman who is a polymath, a gold medal librarian, a gold medal librarian. She's a gold medal ballerina. <laughs> Big difference between ballerina and librarian. Isn't it funny when you get a complete disconnect between uh, your brain and your mouth? Her name is Sylvie Liaton and she is a gold medal ballerina, a robotics and artificial intelligence engineer, entrepreneur and cancer survivor wanting to create a whole new category to make a difference in cancer, And she recently secured some funding and she's off to the races. You're not going to want to miss this conversation because you're going to find it inspiring in surprising ways, both on a personal level and clearly on an entrepreneurial and professional level. That's Sylvie Lieton coming up in our next episode of Folly or Different. All right. We would like to thank legendary Amy Baldwin and April Lampert. Check them out anywhere you get legendary podcasts, the Shameless Sex Podcast. Also, don't forget to go to um, Lockhead.com and subscribe to Category Pirates. Recently, we dropped a fascinating letter about how to create a category breakthrough while playing something called the Venture Capital Game. And who knows, maybe we will talk about that on an upcoming episode of uh, Lockhead on Marketing. But check out CategoryPirates at Lockhead.com. Also, I need to remind you that today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. And this podcast is the sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. All rights do remain perturbed. Remember, you do have the right to remain silent and anything you do or say regarding anything you just heard may be used by you to create legendary outcomes in your life. (laughs) Please consult your lawyer, doctor, shaman, nutritionist, and therapist, and definitely mother before acting on anything you heard on today's episode. We are produced and edited by the GOAT, the greatest of all time, Jason DeFilippo. Check out his podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks. Jamie J. and Sarah Knox do legendary technical execution around here, and they build Lockhead.com. Show notes by GM Simon. Remember to spread love, not viruses. Have sex early and often. And remember... The left lane is the fast lane. Get out of it. Please don't forget to tip your weights off on your way out. And uh, don't forget the sage words of Mae West who said, quote, Good sex is like a good game of bridge. If you don't have a good partner, you'd better have a good hand. <laughs> Thank you, Candy Dandy. She keeps all the trains running on time. Mum and Dad, love you very much. And hey, Colin, this odd cast really ties the room together, doesn't it? Today, our deepest apologies go out to Carson Sweet, CEO of Cloud Passage. Sorry, Carsey. We just ran out of time for you. That's it. Thank you so much for investing part of your life with us. Please stay safe, stay legendary, and until we're together again, follow your different.